Yong, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake. Today we're going to be covering Season 5, Episode 11, Chain Migration. Written by Richard Day and directed, as ever, by Troy Miller. Uh, uploaded on the 15th of March 2019, along with the rest of the second half of this season. We open the episode as George Sr. and Lucille arrive at the mall. Uh, cycling past them are the inside-outside bandits, uh, who of course are sitting back to front so that they can cycle on their tandem bicycle. Um, and they make an idea that maybe they should look for a hardware store so they can get these chains taken off. Um, and there is one, of course, in the mall that uh, Buster remembers. Um, and as Lucille and George Sr. wander around the mall, obviously this being George Sr.'s idea of where Buster would uh, run to, uh, which you know turns out to be true, that was a good instinct, um, he talks about the different stores that Buster used to go to, including Drinker Juice, Painter Plate, and Build-A-Bear. Um, Buster had already mentioned Build-A-Bear as he was cycling past, uh, but I do like the idea of these different places that just put the A in the middle and describe the action that you do inside those stores. Um, Lucille, of course, is um, a little suspicious because she feels that, you know, Buster would have already smelled her by now. Um, and this is something that will be uh, called back to later on in this episode. Uh, after the credits, we find them going to a wanted poster stand to get a wanted poster made. Uh, this is, of course, where George Sr., he reminisces, he's like, Did, didn't we have one of these made for me? And, of course, um, we, they didn't. It was, you know, obviously a real wanted poster. <laughs> um, over the top of this, we get a little bit of a callback to the uh, Sugarfoot-themed um, song. And I'm not quite sure why Sugarfoot is played over the wanted poster flashback. It's it's a, a bit of an, a, an odd choice. Obviously, everyone loves Sugarfoot. It's a great reference. coming from the episode that basically introduced us to Oscar, so I, I'm not sure why we're associating it with George here, but, you know, it's nice to hear it. Um, now, between uh, George Sr. and Lucille, we find out that they're worried about the Chinese, because, you know, they've got to have a meeting, and this is where George reveals that Michael is going through the books. Obviously, you know, George thinks that Michael is going through the fake books, um, but, you know, he's going through the real books. Um, this is when uh, Lucille gets the idea to make an unwanted poster so that Buster can know that he is no longer on the lam and that he is unwanted, uh, a meaning that will pay off before the end of this particular episode. Um, and we find out, uh, probably one of my favourite jokes of this season is the uh, the two-hour teeth, the 90-minute teeth, the one-hour teeth. And in the two-hour teeth printing room, uh, Michael is printing off uh, something that he's found, which of course is a map of the intended wall. Of course, there's a reason why it was called Two Hour Teeth, and uh, <laughs> uh, Michael and uh, George Michael stand around um, in, a, in a you know sped up montage, waiting for the teeth to print. Of course, once uh, you know the the wall has been printed out, um, they realise that they forgot to turn off the tongue setting, <laughs> so it, it's printed on. Uh, you know, a tongue-shaped base, and I, I, I love everything about the two-hour teeth stuff from this season. I think it's, you know, it's, it's quite, a, it's a funny joke. Um, once uh, Oscar and Buster get to the hardware store, they find out that they are not actually locked together because they were stage manacles. So of course, you know, the stage manacles are tied up inside the, um, the tandem bikes chains. But rather than cut the tandem bikes chains, they could just basically take off the, uh, 
uh, take off their stage manacles, which of course mean you know makes the last kind of like three episodes of them on the run seem a little you know a little bit of a waste of time. Um, Buster has of course smelled Lucille uh, as he thinks he smells something that's like popcorn and Chanel number no. five. Uh, George Senior had rushed Lucille away from the uh, food court so that her scent could be better caught by Buster, but obviously that made no difference. Um, now, this is where Oscar and Buster decide that they're going to hide out in a tent, um, which is next to a tent that is occupied by Tobias Debris and Murphy Brown. I'm not a big fan of Murphy Brown as a character, but I do like when Carl Mooney pours some water into some dehydrated beef, and he's like, it tastes like the best hamburger I ever had underwater. Uh, of course, this was meant to last them a week, um, so <laughs> so they are waiting for the store to close um, so, so that they will not be trespassing uh, there's a lot of technically is being thrown about here where they're like technically we're still part of the display technically we're trespassing <laughs> so you know there's a few of those being kind of thrown around oscar throws one out later when he says technically the food in the store is for everybody um so i like that they're all rationalizing this the same way um buster is given the advice by oscar that if anyone comes by the tent he should pose like a mannequin and this is something that of course he does after Oscar leaves the tent. Lucille is setting up a meal with the Chinese, and this is when George goes into Tent City. He thinks that uh, Tandem Bike would be fun. I think this is probably something to do with the fact that obviously he's a twin. So, you know, there's a there's a little bit of this idea that he, he enjoys tasks that, you know, the, the two of them can do. Uh, this is obviously something that's also true of Oscar. And they run into each other in Tent City in the changing rooms. There's obviously, you know, a split screen and there's actually a few lines here that are kind of obviously 80 yard lines and it looks a little bit kind of obvious and cheap and it's not really the best use of the twins um you know that we've seen in this series uh, and i think this might actually be one of the final times that the two of them will interact like this um you know before the end of the show and uh they make a deal they make a deal that you know basically George lets Oscar know that for the for seventy five dollars, Buster will be free. Oscar makes the deal that he'll pay, he'll he'll go to the police station and pay the seventy five dollars, and then you know he can hang out with uh, with Buster. Uh, Tobias happens upon Buster in the tent, and of course Buster is is in the pose of a mannequin. And I do like the way David Cross says, you know, he he kind of goes to apologize, then he says, "Why am I apologizing to a mannequin that looks just like Buster?" <laughs> and then obviously he realizes what's going on. They get to talking and Buster reveals to Tobias that maybe he has a new place. Uh, but unfortunately to live there, you have to be over the age of 55. Uh, Tobias says, well, that sounds like, uh, you know, a task for my family that I wish were actors. Uh, so he, he, he already has the plan in his head that he's going to take Debris and Murphy Brown. And we'll find out, you know, pretty quickly that uh, how this pays off. Um, we also find out in this scene that, you know, they're thinking of taking down the tents in Tent City and putting up a Santa's village, um, which, of course, in Orange County, Christmas is celebrated on December 19th. Uh, I'm guessing because of people one-upping the arms race on buying up Christmas decorations to outdo some other group of people. We then cut to Stan. Obviously, he had been hit on the head, and he is fully bandaged, and maybe is basically telling him that he has missed months. He can't keep track of time, even though it's basically the same day. Uh, her deception obviously knows no bounds. Uh, she wants to get rid of Stan, so she says that basically they've broken up and, you know, they were on the verge of him leaving. And, you know, she basically she sells him on the idea that 
he he needs to he needs to get out. Of course, he could just look at a calendar and confirm when it is, and realize that you know the election in Orange County happened days before. But you know, uh, he doesn't do that. He trusts maybe. It's also interesting here that he keeps saying maybe you know I I still have feelings for you. He's obviously he's obviously not referring to her by you know her name because she you know he doesn't know she's called maybe. But I think it's interesting that everything that he's expressing, he keeps saying the word maybe. And it sounds like he's he's kind of talking to her. Um, and then, uh, to the tune of Thank You for Being a Friend, we find that Mrs. Featherbottom, Bev, and Mrs. Betty White arrive. Um, and I this, this is obviously something that will be play out more in the next episode. Um, but I do kind of like how this, you know, this brings back Mrs. Featherbottom for the first time in uh, I don't know, two years um, in terms of the season episodes. But, you know more than a decade i think and also the kind of the fact that murphy brown which you you could argue would be he could keep his name he could still call himself murphy brown but for some reason he chooses bev and no second name whereas uh debris is mrs jean betty white uh obviously the, the most obvious of the the kind of golden girls references in there um and they kind of stand there making these weird noises while maybe is obviously you know, annoyed that they have actually, you know, they've kind of turned up at her door. Um, and then we, you know, we cut to the cottage for what is, you know, pretty much most of the, the rest of the episode. Uh, worth saying that this episode is is basically about 23 minutes. It's, it's you know, take out the credits at the end and it's almost the exact length of like the old episodes. Um, so And it does feel like really quick, um, you know, George Senior ends up at the cottage. Uh, he meets Dusty again. Uh, we get a kind of uh, we kind of flashback to when George Senior was in the gerbil ball and he gerbled up to the beach. Um, and you know he wouldn't let him use the stairs and basically sent him back out to sea, almost to die. One might think this is where we find out that that Dusty surfed in Nam. He didn't serve in Nam, but obviously that, that, that gets misheard as served in Nam the first time. Um, he said he went out there on two tours. Obviously, you know, they're holidays, basically. And Dusty has been brought in because he is an expert on Oriental culture. Um, which, it's... I don't, know, I don't know how I really feel about the Dusty character because, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think they really... Like, he doesn't feel like he's really part of the show. He just, it just feels... I don't know. It's it's not it's not a uh, it's not a character that I'm particularly keen on, and I don't. I I think the kind of the whole the whole plane as the surrogate son thing and the jealousy with Buster and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Dermot Mulroney is, you know, he can be a good comedic actor, but it it's just not as fun as I think. You know, Mitch Hurwitz seems to think that it is. Um, and then of course, you know, Dusty goes upstairs to watch the big TV, <laughs> showing that he's been to the cottage before. And Michael arrives. This is where we get the confrontation about the wall. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, because it's it's basically done like a mouth. Um, you know, the, the, there is a little bit of kind of arguing over what it is exactly. And I do like that at this point, Lucille is like, you know, when, when Michael says, stop, stop playing dumb, she goes, what's playing dumb? And she says it in a way that she is clearly playing dumb and i you know it's such a wonderfully played moment by jessica walters i like how he says you know you claim to be on the, on the other side of the wall meaning that you know they were against the wall being built but of course they were literally on the other side of the wall uh, with some territory that is now owned by the mexican romneys uh, this i think being the final reference to the mexican romneys this season 
Uh, they, they say how, you know, they, they've lost all the money because they intended on building the wall, but they wanted, you know, they've also lost the election. So they wanted somebody who was basically against the wall. Um, and their plan is to build a model wall to pretend that they're going to build the wall and then hope that the election, which, you know, is it, in a few months time, the, the national election, this is, you know, Hillary will come in or as Jessica Walter says, in an extremely high pitched and shrill voice, shrillery. Um, and then, you know, they hope then that they won't be able to build it and they can kind of get away with it. But Michael gives them the advice that basically be honest with the Chinese, say that, you know, you've lost the money, you can't afford to pay them back. And ultimately, that is a tactic that they will go with in a future episode. Um, we then jump to the model home uh, and we see that Oscar and Buster have moved into the attic, although the attic looks different to in previous seasons. So I'm not sure that this is the same set that they've used previously. And there's a lot of discussion between the, t the two of them of like, you know, staying together and, you know, Buster doesn't want to go back to living with uh, George Senior, which I feel is a call back to something from, you know, season three, where it was revealed that if George Senior, you know, you know, before his retirement uh, in the in the in the pilot episode, he was thinking about throwing Buster out of the house. So, you know, like it, it, it's kind of interesting because it suggests that if he goes, you know, if he goes back to living with the, the family, Buster, you know, does that, then you know, he's going to end up being thrown out again. Um, and Oscar is also talking about how they're definitely on the lam. And, you know, and I think, I think there's a kind of, it's funny that obviously Oscar keeps saying stuff that almost gives it away, but doesn't quite. Um, and so, I mean, I also say, like, it feels like the motivations of the characters keep changing as well, because Buster talks about, you know, he says the only thing that, that scares us is not being cosy, <laughs> which is, you know the the inside outside bandits. You know the only thing they fear is is not being cozy. Is such a, a weird kind of rationalization, um, and I like as well that Buster finds the welcome home from prison again. Buster and he goes into he goes on this long run where he talks about how, you know, it it was it was not a surprise party, but that that's what makes it a surprise party. And then of course he says, "I'm surprised they went to that much trouble." And he goes, "Oh, so I guess it worked then." Um, and then we get uh, our only appearance of Will Arnett in the episode towards the end. Job, um, you know, appears in the in the model home, dragging the body from the previous episode. And even though Buster strikes a pose as a mannequin and tries to hide, you know, Job sees him and calls back to the fact that, you know, he is a former assistant. Um, and I like how, how kind of Job is very brutal with Buster and, you know, he tells Buster he's not he's not wanted by the police. And he says, you weren't even a wanted child, um, which, of course, has its wonderful double meaning. And then Buster recalls seeing an unwanted poster. So there is maybe a feeling that, you know, he kind of did know, even though Oscar hadn't said that they weren't, you know, that they weren't on the on the run anymore. Um, so, you know, I, I find that that, that kind of quite interesting this episode in itself is very kind of i don't know piecemeal i would say um you know we have george and lucille by themselves in in the story with the chinese we've got you know michael and we only see george michael really in kind of montage um at the two hour teeth uh you know maybe is by herself with um you know with stan uh, tobias debris and murphy brown aside from you know crossing over with oscar and buster in the store you know they they are kind of on their own story um and then you know at the end here we've got joe by himself uh, fulfilling his deal with the uh, the magicians alliance um and 
you, you know, once once Buster agrees because of his you know oath as a former assistant, <laughs> Job as he wanders out the house, he says goodbye, Oscar. <laughs> Oscar kind of yells back from the uh, uh, from the the attic, and you know we then go to the on the next. And, you know, as part of the deal to the gay mafia, Job makes good on his obligation and he goes to heterosexual conversion therapy, um, but determined to prove it doesn't work. Um, and of course, there he meets Ioni Sky, returning as Mrs. Veal, because, of course, we are at the church of her. Um, and when she says she's Anne's mom, of course, Job goes, who? And uh, Ioni Sky goes, Yes, her, and I, I kind of, I, I kind of, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. The there is, of course, you know, one more kind of her callback, um, and unfortunately for Job, it works a little too well. The narrator tells us so. Obviously, um, Ioni Sky, being as she is a beautiful woman, uh, she causes something in Job that makes it clear that he is, of course, converted back to being heterosexual. Uh, I feel like the show could have really. I mean, obviously. You know, we had the whole gay conversion closet trick and everything, but it feels like Job is, if anything, you know, clearly bisexual. Um, but the show doesn't really ever; it kind of only ever goes between the whole gay mafia and you know the heterosexual conversion thing. Like it doesn't allow for Job's sexuality to be a bit more nuanced than that, uh, which you know I understand a little bit because this is, after all, a sitcom, and. At the very end, um, obviously, with both, you know, Buster and Oscar realizing that they're not on the run, um, you know, they still pretend that they're on the run to each other, and they get, but they still go out for a non-gummy dinner, um, and then of course this is where Buster disposes of of the body from the top of the stair car, which is described as a long thought missing piece of evidence. Um, this, of course, will come back later on once we get to the uh, to the trial. But yeah, I mean. It's it's a nice short episode, um, you know, the, probably the shortest episode of the season, I think. Certainly the shortest episode of the second half of this season. Uh, and uh, unless, of course, we count the final episode of this season as two separate episodes, both of which are roughly the same length as this one. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, it moves things along. I think it's interesting because, obviously, the storylines are a little bit more, um, you know, d- disparate and separated. So it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, this in some ways feels a little bit more like a season four episode than a season five episode or, or even like anything from the first three seasons. Uh, but saying that, in the first three seasons, there were episodes that were split into various different storylines and the characters didn't meet. And, you know, there were a number of episodes in the first season where Buster wasn't even there and they would just you know have a line about how he's in Canada. And so... You know, it 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 did feel a little bit more like a you know an old episode. Although you know, at the same time, I I I mean, I think the kind of the two thousand sixteen presidential election jokes, uh, yeah, they weren't as bad as they have been in some of the episodes this season. And obviously, the fact that you know Arrested Development was, uh, you know, was always seen as a bit of an, an an kind of analogous, mostly to the Bush family. But then some of the stuff that's in season four and in this season is a bit kind of more Trump esque. So it's, you know, obviously the kind of the shout out of the whole shillery thing is, uh, you know, kind of meant to be a little bit ironic. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, I I think this kind of it's really weird because this kind of sets up, um, you know, a few obviously some of the more important stuff like the disposal of the body for later on in the season. But there's also little bits like, you know, the Golden Girls stuff that's going to come up in the next episode, almost kind of tying up the Stan storyline a little bit. Um, and you know 
the the whole stuff with the wall, which again, that's that's a that's a storyline that's been going on for since the beginning of the season four. So it's nice that we're kind of getting towards the end of that. Uh, although, of course, we won't we won't have it fully concluded until the the final episode. Um, you know, and the talk of setting up a a model wall again, <laughs> setting up a model home with something that they obviously did in the past. So setting up models is is obviously the way that the Blues uh, get their work done. Um, so you know it's nice to kind of see them setting up the final pieces for this season. Uh, so I feel there's nothing else to say about uh, episode eleven. Uh, so I will see you on the next and otherwise goodbye.